Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Six Questions with a CMO, brought to you by Brandwatch. My name is Martin Kelly and I'm your host. This week we're joined by John Ryan, VP of Marketing at Intelligence Bank. I think you're in for an absolute cracker this week. John takes you through his career, both um, in the tech space and out of it, including some re- a recycling story. He gives you the successes and failures that he's learned, and he earns with a really surprising story concerning food and the amount of times he's ordered it recently. So um, I think you're in for a treat this week. Thank you. John, are you there? I'm here. Nice to meet you, man. Good, good to see you. Um, so, John, first question, how did you get here? Can you just give us a quick bio on yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, as you just said, um, John Ryan, VP of Marketing and Intelligence Bank. Um, I like to say I have the best job in the world um, because I'm a marketer who gets to market marketing software to other marketers. So it's absolutely right my alley. Um, so, I, look, Intelligence Bank is a... Uh, operations platform for brand management and digital asset management software. Um, but how I got here uh, has been a bit of a journey. I've spent most of my career working in uh, software or IT marketing. Um, so I started just over 20 years ago. Um, my first marketing manager job was for a small SharePoint consultancy in the UK. Um, I think I was employee number 10 and a couple of years later we'd passed 120 staff and won the Microsoft Worldwide Partner of the Year Awards. So that was Content and Code. Um, when I came back to Australia, I joined a big data company um, as their APAC marketing manager, expanding the business through Asia um, Pacific and had yeah learned so much about data there which is fantastic um joined a uh, business intelligence company I, I really wanted to work for an australian software company rather than an american one um so I joined a company called yellowfin as their director of product marketing uh, i think i was somewhere around employee number 25 and a couple of years later they had almost 100 staff in the five uh, offices around the world um and they were the first Australian company to make Gartner's Magic Quadrant, uh, which is pretty cool. It's a, a big honour, at least in that industry. Um, and then after that, I joined uh, another Aussie startup called CareMonkey as their CMO. Um, that was a really cool company. It won the world's biggest startup prize and in just a few years had a million users and over a 1,000 customers um, and essentially invented the online school consent forms, which everyone uses today. Yeah, my kids use them as well. Goes really well. Yeah, it, it is. It's a great product. Um, they rebranded actually to Operu uh, a few years back after I'd left. So um, uh, I still call it Care Monkey in my heart, though. Um, and then I did take a detour from IT for three years and uh, joined a sustainability company, one of Australia's leading sustainability specialists. Uh, they sort of had five different. Uh, solutions that I used to market. I was the CMO. Um, But I I ran one of those divisions, which was a coffee cup recycling program called Simply Cups, um, which was such a good experience. We diverted more than 20 million cups from landfill in just over three years, um, which is pretty cool. Wow. That's great. uh, Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it was. And look, recycling is a very, uh, I guess, um, slow and uh not not very innovative area um so i thought i'd jump back into the 
the fast growing IT sector um, where you know people are really really primed to do their best at everything. Um, so joined Intelligence Bank as VP of Marketing, um, where I'm marketing marketing software for marketers. Cool. Listen, that's a that's a brilliant track record, and um, I think people are going to get a a lot out of it because of your your vast history so and your your diverse history so thanks a lot for that so let's get into the the second question what's your biggest market success and what did you learn from it oh look it's it really is a great question um there's there's so many successes and so many failures because you're always doing so many different things um and i've been lucky to work with some very successful companies that have had the high growth and I would say you know marketing is a bit like it, there's no, no one silver bullet it's like doing you know 101 percent is right and you get exceptional results and execution is sort of really everything um, but look I think probably if, if I had to point to one um, it would probably be the I guess the care monkey days um, of that's just super fast growth and like really what was happening there is just completely scalable processes and a pitch that could be completely reused everywhere. So we all use the exact same pitch um, and it worked. So um, it was all about, you know, eliminating um, paper school forms um, and, you know, medical consent consent forms, um, ensuring it and helping the staff ensure every, everyone knew exactly what to do, who to call, um, what to do in an emergency. Um, but the pitch itself was just so scalable across every single marketing platform. So the website, the sales presentation, the collateral, AdWords, banners, videos, EDMs, it was almost identical experience no matter what the medium was. And I know it sounds simple, but having a pitch that absolutely everyone in the company can follow and stay on brand just makes a big difference and it just meant that everyone was able to get really good results um so and what it meant was we could focus on building the brand and helping the customers and just referrals would come through and uh when you can make people really love the product uh you can you can do some really cool things and i think one of the things i was most proud about there is i think we had something like a hundred different people from different schools did a one-minute video testimonial for us, um, which is really cool. Like they don't do that unless they love the product. Um, but it was even that was processed. Like our our CRMs was just sparkly clean. We tracked everything. Every process was mapped. Um, so it was probably it was very uh, it wasn't chaotic. I guess marketing can be very very chaotic sometimes uh, with everyone running around everywhere. And this was um, like very, very planned and structured. Look, I totally agree with just about everything you've. In fact, I think I agree with everything you said there. Do the basics right. That's always been my thing. Like once you do the basics right, the rest, the rest can come. And don't get me wrong, you can shoot for the stars, but even if you miss and you hit the moon, it's still pretty good. So doing that and one voice, if you can get that pitch down. I did. I worked for a company once, and I remember we had a brand that stood for nothing which and i remember embarrassingly going around to five or six staff and go okay describe the business what it does in 25 words or less and no one could and i sat at a planning session going we need to change this and people are like oh but yeah but and i went guys 
unless it's 25 words or less. And that's very hard to do, but this wasn't, people couldn't even come close to that. So honestly, everything you've you've said there just totally resonates. And I think will resonate with our, our listeners as well. You know, get get the basics right and speak with one voice. It's two really nice and simple, but absolutely fundamental things. So listen, um, thanks a lot for that. Third question then. And this is the one that I always don't like using the word failure because I don't think you generally do fail at something. But what was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah, this was a tough question. Um, I guess one thing I I, I strongly believe in in marketing is kind of execution is everything. So, you know, it's like if you're playing darts, you know, the difference between the highest score, which is 60, and just scoring a one is really just one line. It's like a few millimetres. Um, so you can do almost everything right, um, but if you, you miss one bit of execution, it can just kill all your results. Um, and as thinking about this, I, I think the one that still gives me, I guess, sweats when I think about it. <laughs> um, we This was at, at Yellowfin, um, but we were presenting a webinar. We had almost 1,000 people register. It was our biggest webinar we'd ever done at the time and, you know, the biggest one of anyone I knew had ever done at the time, um, so I was really proud of it. And the, the webinar was on uh, storytelling with data. And we created the most beautiful slides and story. I was so proud of it. And as I presented the webinar, um, I, we, we got sort of to the last, I guess, 10%. And uh, someone's told me that I hadn't been sharing my screen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to laugh. Yeah, it, was, it was just so embarrassing. I've you know, never come close to making that mistake again. Um, it's the best thing about mistakes, I guess, is you learn from them. Um, but it's that one tiny little thing that can be so costly. We, we still had half the people that attended stayed from start to finish, even though there was no screen there, which was interesting. But you know, it, it just could have been so much better if if just everything had been executed. Uh, I, I do have one, not, I say probably slightly worse than that, um, which was we we were doing a, in a previous role doing a, a webinar. It was actually in the, in the middle of COVID, so it was the one way we could, we could chat. And I had shared the link and what I thought I'd shared was the, I suppose the easiest thing, the guest link. And I'd actually shared the producer link and a third of the way through, the system just crashed. And we uh, quickly jumped back in and I could see, I think say we'd 100 people going and within two minutes we'd 80 and it literally was dropping as we go. And because of how it crashed, we couldn't, people just couldn't rejoin and it was it was a shambles and it worked out that one of our own staff had been in as producer watched for 10 minutes and closed it down and just killed it. And um, that's still kept me up at night and like we redid it and we had the names and it was okay but yeah that that was a learning experience for me and I'm very careful on how what what share what links I share so I think again comes back to I think your, your biggest success is it's do the do the fundamentals correctly and just just learn from it um so listen that's that's great I think everybody's going to learn a lot from that so fourth question advice to any 21 year old marketer starting out oh look I I'd say number one, be curious, keep learning. Um, I think it's really important in today's age that you learn how to make decisions using data and be really detail orientated, um, particularly when you when you start. Um, and I think one one thing that I sort of find that really separates, you know, just good marketers from absolutely great ones is 
what you compare your work to. Like you can produce so many things in marketing in a year. You know, it might be that you do 10 case studies and data sheets and webinars or videos and EDMs, all sorts of stuff that you get out there. But, you know, how does it stack up against the best of the best? And how can you get, how can you get there really quickly? Um, so, and then probably lastly, aside from the execution, is just learning to prioritise. Um, if you try to take on too much at once, quality suffer, results suffer, and you just don't get the same results. It's, you've got to prioritise and do things well. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Sorry, yeah, totally agree with everything you've just said there. Certainly use data. We've all been there where, and I've been in meetings where it's also, it's not just the data, but the meaningful data. So the amount of times I've had, you know, 10,000 clicks on the website. Okay, and what did they then do? I don't know, they had 10,000 clicks on the website. Okay, I'm going to ask the same question again. What what did they do? Who did we sell to? Who, what, why, when, you know, where and how? Uh, and then also the, the prioritization. I remember a conversation and it was the first time I tried to get a, a podcast up and running and my manager, and I was in a role maybe six months, and my, the same manager who gave me the advice of, when you come back to the failure question, of, if you've not failed, you've not tried anything new, and just went, Martin, really simply, do you have the bandwidth for this? And if you don't, just, just and it, was, it wasn't telling me not to. I think he was telling me not to, realistically, but it was just that honest question of, look yourself in the mirror, and if you don't have the bandwidth, don't try and do five things try and do three things things well so again totally um totally agree with you there um next question what do you think the next big thing in, in marketing is in the next 12 months yeah look I, I i love this question i i ask this question to myself every year really <laughs> um i i do think that uh in the last 20 years marketing has transformed dramatically because of digital uh, it, and it's kept transforming, um, you know, everything that we do now is essentially digital. And uh, I think the typical MarsTech Mars stack today includes your CRMs, which virtually every company has, your websites, your email campaign tools, your digital advertising platforms, event management software. It includes all of this stuff. And obviously, as marketers, we have to be really good admins of this type of software. Um, but I think the next big thing for marketing teams that is really solving that problem that I think every marketing team struggles with, which is kind of managing the hundreds of projects and new requests that are coming on all the time concurrently, uh, particularly as teams grow and it's not just, you know, just a couple of people working on something. Um, I think as well there's going to be a a big transformation in terms of how brands manage their brand compliance, um, which is typically uh, all over the place uh, in, in most companies um, I sort of see. And just also how they struggle to deal with these exploding volumes of digital assets. So like I said, almost everything in marketing is now digital and um, I think these sort of operationalizing the marketing operations component of it is going to be the kind of the next big thing and i think it's estimated i think uh, the fortune 500 companies i think this is the quote they spend about 300 billion dollars a year recreating misplaced 
assets. So that's just recreating stuff that they couldn't find, that they've already done. Um, so I think there's going to be a big change on the way in terms of how marketers actually work within the software. I think it's going to be a really good thing. Look, I, I agree with with everything you said. It's funny, about about 15 years ago, I did a, a digital marketing course. And at that point, you could literally, it was a fork in the road and you could pivot and become a digital marketer. I'm, I'm not quite doing air quotes, but that's what it would be. And you would sit and send tweets all day or just work on their, you know, certain. And at the time I made a, a call that I was going to say as a generalist marketer, but use marketing uh, digital skills. I'm delighted I did that um, for a couple of reasons. But one, and I had this conversation with somebody else yesterday saying there is, or I don't believe there is such a thing as a non-digital marketer now. Yeah. If Even if I go back to the old days of doing a, you know, a post mail out, you're still going to direct them to the website. You're still going to you know, want them to log on so that you can track the the opening rates even of, you know, even of the, the bit of the bit of paper. Somebody comes to a conference, you do an email follow-up, send them to a landing page with some assets to download. And I and I think also it can be that digital overload of, you know, from a marketer's point of view of right, where you're right, where did I store it? But do we need it in the brand compliance? Um I work for one company where it was actually so strict that you were like, guys, there is people going and doing rogue things and you don't know. And it's trying to get that balance right between keeping a handle on it and not keeping it so locked up that nothing can be done. So yeah, I agree with, with all of those things. So, so John, thanks. But we're up to the final question now. So tell us something people don't know about yourself. Uh, I've thought very hard about this one. I really struggled. Um, I love Noki. I think probably the last hundred times I've gone out for dinner and there's gnocchi on the menu, I've ordered the gnocchi. That's <laughs> that's all right. Now that's interesting, but you know, next time we go out for dinner, I'm getting the gnocchi. No, no, that's totally, that's absolutely um, cool, mate. And that is, and that's the stuff that people won't know about you. And I think that's good because I think it gives a little bit of um, a little bit of your personality. So. Um, look thanks a lot thanks a lot for your time <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of 6 questions with a CMO brought to you by Brandwatch if you'd like to access other episodes of the podcast or gain insights into your brand go to brandwatch.com slash cmo dash podcast thank you